0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier Early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Our guest this week is another person who I've admired for a long time and then and then met on Twitter. Um, Virginia Heffernan is uh, a phenomenal reporter and writer. Uh, she's uh, been with the New York Times, among other publications. And so I've, I've followed her for years, and then we happened to connect on Twitter and it, came out that she was a meditator. So I invited her on the show. And as you'll hear, she started to discuss something very personal uh, in the course of this interview that she has never discussed publicly before. Really personal, really moving, and really important to hear. Uh, And aside from that, you're just going to hear a really sharp mind talk about what meditation uh, can do for a person And also you'll hear her views on technology and on faith. Uh, So without further ado, here's Virginia Heffernan. From ABC, this is the 10% Happier Podcast. I'm Dan Harris. You are way too plugged in.
1: Oh, my God, I don't know if anyone is plugged in enough or too plugged in. But I joined Twitter very early on just because I like digital life, digital culture. And I thought that it was going to be another shady message board, like the things I belong to for perfume lovers or, you know, people anticipating childbirth. And so it was just another thing to sign up for. So I gave myself a code name, like an avatar name, Page 88, 88, because I knew it was a disgraceful (laughs) demimond that I was joining. It has, like, my eBay handle. Nobody has, you know, you don't have Dan Harris verified account on eBay, right? Like That's just your side hustle. By
0: the way, great use of the word demimond. I'm actually (laughs) writing a book right now. I'm going to find a place for it.
1: To smuggle it in? Yes. I will look for that.
0: Hold me to it. Oh, also,
1: I like citations. So, um, okay, for even for single words, you can get a (laughs) citation. Why not? Um, so I like. Anyway, I like the internet. So I went and I, you know, you know, from the book, I joined when I was nine, and just for my sins have spent a lifetime there.
0: Joined the internet. Joined
1: what was then I called the computer, but was (laughs) (laughs) was um, a networked. It was a networked compute, computing time sharing system they had at Dartmouth College. As I, I was a towny child at the cha- you know, when I got the chance to dial in, and I joined this, um, you know, world that looked very much and has come to be in my mind something like a massively multiplayer online role playing game. So, I had been a D and D. Kid and I was very excited to create my new online avatar. At how nine. many
0: sided die was it? Like a twelve <laughs> sided die for <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons? I think we had thirty six. Thirty six. Oh, wow. They were
1: basically like points in sp- like ge- geometric points in space instead <laughs> of actual sides. <laughs> um, but um, but so when you say you know how do I to any extent maintain balance um, even though I, I you know I am fairly regularly on Twitter. I still think of it as a game. I just got that idea stuck in my head that this isn't life. And anything that page 88, that's my Twitter handle, does is not what what I do or what the, you know, there's a backward step, as the Buddhists say, and that I, that I can take that and be sort of even more myself because I've almost sloughed off the part of me that can be digitized. Do you know? So it's like anything I am or anything the world is is something that can't be on the Internet. And so and having defined it that way, I've found more freedom, you know, living a portion of my life on the Internet um, but, but than without it. that
0: doesn't – you're not immune from the sheer volume of data. You, you, I walked into no. this room uh, um, and you immediately started talking about things that have transpired in the last, like, five minutes. And, I, and you got it from Twitter, I would assume. Yeah. And so I guess it's that always-on part of it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what you, I think you were referring to about uh, about the unreality of it, and that you're page eighty eight, you're not you. That's about taking the stuff that people say to you personally, maybe,
2: as mm. opposed to just
0: having your fingers, as I said before, kind of like uh, in in the data stream in that way, and always on. Yeah, I like to not be in it once in a while.
1: Yes, I take breaks off. Um, I take pretty much after after trolling so after there's any you know any experience with sometimes after trump cast the show that I host about our president um sometimes there's some trolling around that or there've been times you know when things have when it feels like a coliseum on there you know yeah. where you can't pretend that you're different you can't no one or at least I certainly don't have an imagination big enough to uh, to distance myself so much from page 88 that I'm not constantly getting cortisol and adrenaline spikes every time I, you know, am told that I should, um, what's the buzz off? How about that? Buzz off (laughs) page 88, (laughs) that kind of thing.
0: But they started with a different consonant. They
1: do a different version of that. Exactly. Um, and, um, and yeah, so I, I usually take, take three days off and I have a sort of regimen for those days three days yeah three days I mean it, I don't I had hasn't happened in a while and three days in this particular news cycle would be um, maybe challenging yeah. on the other hand you know it's a huge part of to the extent that I call it a practice but a huge part of my well-being is predicated on the idea that I am very infinitely powerless over um, you know this life and to the extent that I start to believe that I have some uh, power over events right now, like take the Trump Russia connections, this uh, you know
0: alleged Trump Russia.
1: That's right, the alleged connections between Trump and Russia, and you know certainly there are people on Twitter who are becoming more and more zealous and ardent around the subject and obsessive and chipping off jokes, and I've certainly been one of them. And you can start to feel like you're this armchair Encyclopedia Brown. You're just like girl FBI person who's going to solve this all from Twitter. I mean, years and years ago, I decided that today was the day I solved John Benet Ramsey. And I was just going to read those handwritten letters over and over again until I solved them. You know, it's not far from the kind of thinking I used to do right up to the moment that I kind of crashed in my life. Like in 2011, I really thought that there was a lot I could solve. And... You know, that I could do it from my chair and from my phone. And when I start thinking that way, it's not good for me. So yeah.
0: much to unpack here. I'm going to – listeners, be confident that I'm going to pursue all the, the threads. Um, but But let me just stay for a second because I know – a lot of people really care about this. I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast, in particular, care about this, which is maintaining sanity in an era of such fast-moving developments. Having a meditation practice—we haven't even started about how and why and where you started yours. Um, having a meditation practice, ha- being mindful, and having some sort of media diet that makes sense—you know, titrating your usage of or your cons- your consumption of, of news and information. How do you manage that, given how plugged in I know you to be?
1: I mean, I um, I guess I sort of, I'll just say it doesn't work for me, a monastic approach to almost anything in life. And when I hear, especially schools, talking to kids about screen use as though there were, you know, no safe legal dose, as though it were a drug, no, what is that, It no safe dose, no safe, unsafe at any dose. And as though it were the way people used to talk about sexuality, like one foot on the floor, you can only go to first base or you can only, you know, no hands on butt was the school rule at my uh, high school dances. You could do you could slow dance, but you couldn't, you know, put your hand on someone else's butt. So anyway, those restraints sound to me very like 20 minutes, but not before bed. But, you know, you can have your phone, but you can't carry it into the classroom it it may turn out that you do that and I certainly take these breaks from the internet and 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 you know my kids do too but I what's worked better for me is trying to play the game or become a skilled player of the game so with my kids I talk to them about avatar building online so you know there are many, many choices people make about, say, a Facebook profile. You can choose to highlight the best things in your life. You can choose to write m- essays in mixed cases about politics. You can um, share the, you know, the death by cancer of a friend of yours. You can talk about, you know, things that make you unhappy in the world. You can try to engage other people. You can use the hive mind. But those are all choices that people make on the internet, and they they shouldn't make them out of. Fear that they're trying to participate in this world that's so complicated and horrible, but out of the out of that kind of um, confident self invention that's playful and that is uh, that's you know a little bit wily and and vulnerable, but but also also uh, you know authoritative. Um, you know, when my son decided to put this, like, almost executive-looking picture of himself on his Google profile... How old is he? He's 11, okay. and it's his first, you know, t- creation of a little profile picture. He took, you know, like we all do, 300 pictures of himself, <laughs> selfies, <laughs> and finally picked one where he looked like he was sitting in a corner office with his... I, I don't know how to describe this for the radio, but, you know, that thing where you've put your hands behind your yes. head, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and elbows out. Yeah. And he just said, doesn't it look powerful? You know, he's an 11-year-old kid. He's in a power pose. He is in a power pose. He's uh, CEO there. Um, but, you know, I was Athena when I was nine, and coming up with a durable avatar for a kid that keeps you safe, you know, that keeps you like you're a CEO or you're in armor is great. Um, and later on, you might want to make more connections with it, with a, with a profile. You know, it doesn't do great things for you to be always on Twitter. You're going to make a ton of mistakes, and I've definitely made them. You're going to jump to conclusions sometimes. You're going to retweet things that you then think better of. Um, You're going to learn some lessons the hard way, and um, and that's about playing that game. But to say that there's health, which is screen-free, Twitter-free existence, and then there's, you know, addiction, compulsion, and that that lives on the internet, sort of sounds like, you know, the way, I don't know, the way like in ancient Greece, it was just there's shopping, and that's for horrible people who've never thought about their lives. And then there's this other thing, or, you know, which is, you know, salvation and sanctity, which is thinking and, you know, the examined life. And you can think, you know, in Christianity, the maybe the the ideal is the celibate priest or the celibate Christ, and then the you know the family man is the one hampered by all you know by all these um, real world obligations with which spiritual existence is impossible. Um, and I'd like to think that you can lead a mindful life, even if you know it's up to half of it's online.
0: But okay. I don't think that's impossible. I, I do. I I think if you're going to be a, a engaged citizen nowadays, there's a pretty strong argument that you should have. You should be dipping your toes at the very least into the data stream. I'm I'm just curious about like just from a really granular level, like how much time do you spend <laughs> online, and they, and how much time would you recommend we spend, um, you know, on Twitter or reading articles or whatever it is without. Losing our minds, given the fact that people have strong feelings about on either side about uh, what's happening in American politics and the world. Yeah. Overall.
1: I mean, you know, the whole not the whole Internet is not even I don't know. I'd, I, I'd hesitate to make a guess. But but there's a substantial part of the Internet that is not. um Political, and um, I think that you know, a few uh, Instagrams not my joint. Neither is Pinterest, for that matter. But you know, both of those, if you live on Pinterest and Instagram, you it's like you you don't even you're walking through a different world than the people who live on Twitter. Yeah, um, and a lot of journalists are on Twitter. Twitter makes it easy for journalists to be on there. Doesn't show us ads. It's a very different experience for people, you know, without verified accounts. And um, I think so that sort of can give the impression that you're with the whole world, you know, that the whole world's here. And I don't think the whole world's, I don't think the whole world's on Twitter and that Twitter really very accurately represents the internet. Um, As far as sanity. Well, I said this thing about, which really does bring me back to sort of my dark night and the beginning of my practice. Um, there was a moment when my best thinking as a as a journalist and as a person had gotten me in really dire straits. Like just things just were not looking good for me in my real world. and internally, I just felt desolate. So, um, the point right before that was the point I felt like I had the most power, like almost like a cokey manic like I can control a lot of things in my life. And if I just make these changes and I just, you know, go one step further, like there must be an SAT I can take or an, a route routine workout or something. And you, the moment of revelation to me was, it's not that I'm not powerful enough, it's that I'm absolutely powerless over these 10 things happening in my life. Um, and then I started to get really interested in all the things that I was powerless over and what a wonderful realization that was, you know, and as excited as I think we might be as journalists to think that we can get in this story and have some say over, uh, you know, over what happens. Ideally, news breaking, like the fact that there's special counsel now that will investigate the president's connections to Russia, means justice is taking its course, that the camera can go back, be pulled back a little bit, and there'll be, there's procedures there's checks and balances, there, there's the judiciary and the government that may work on a longer line than we are aware of. You know, that, that, that the law might supersede some of these things or have. You still didn't tell me how much time you'd spend. <laughs> you <put> it. <laughs> well, as I say, I take days off, usually three, if I have, you know, a massive cortisol spike, if I'm just like, this is out now physically bad for me. So those are, then that have, happens probably once a month. Um, and you know it's really hard to say. We are anyone listening to this podcast is it just is on the internet, is in the digital world. Yeah, yeah. We're on the internet right now that we're you know making this, or at least we're creating a digital artifact. Um, I think there's wireless in this room, so I could turn my phone over and look at Twitter. I don't know at what point I become on Twitter, and I really am not dodging it. I mean, I, I. Uh,
0: like w- when you walk out of here.
1: Yeah. Will I look first at that? Yeah, or Mm -hmm. or
0: just like we are you in your phone? Would your kids tell me that you're on your phone all the time?
1: No, so so I I don't like saying this because I do feel like it plays into the it's your phone is all about time. But just the short answer is, I don't pick it up till 20 minutes after I'm awake, except to turn off my alarm. So that's better than me for the record. I I mean, better. See, I don't like this moral thing. Sorry, but um, because I'm worse at other times. 20 minutes before I go to sleep, you know, I put it down and I don't fall asleep over it. Let's put it that way. Um, And then I take two hours off in the day and I sometimes use an app that is... um, Anyway, that it's it's called Forest, and you kill a tree if you touch your phone, like a little virtual tree. Wow. It's actually really kind of fun. Okay, so, so this is what I was trying to get yes, to in all those questions. You just questions. like, how can I hack this and yes. just figure out a, an app for no, that?
0: No, you threw out a million really, really interesting things, so I'm, 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 I know no... No uh, finger wagging at you for um, taking a while to get to the what I saw as the nub, but the listeners may, may see it as something different. Um, but but hope, I hope. love that, that. I mean, it seems really interesting to me. Just yeah. that, Just the just to know how you're managing this. That two hours off. That's really interesting.
1: And that yeah, so two hours off in the day, and then the last part is um is not when I'm with with another person. So. When I, the kids, you know, my habit is secret. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's in a cafe. Sadly, it's while I'm walking down the street. Um, it's, you know, when I'm at my desk. Uh, but, um, yeah, so it's so so not when I'm with another person. And I feel like it's changed a bit that people don't usually have their phones fo- face up on the table when they're together the way people used to. Yeah. Or do you keep your phone face no,
0: up? No, I don't. Um I really try to think a lot about how to manage um, my uh, consumption of media but I'm not I don't have as my rules are not as well thought through as yours because it is usually the first thing I do in the morning but I don't check it for a while before I go to bed and I do meditate quite a bit so I'm obviously not looking at that for a couple hours a day but but it's not a period of the day where I'm I don't know where it's just structured 2 hours I'm not checking anything I'm doing other things in the real world I'm usually I'm sitting there with my eyes closed meditating.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean that's your 2 hours, right? Yes, I mean that's 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 you my two hours. you meditate 2 hours yes, a day that's so that's, that's um that's a lot. I will say by the way you for those of you who have not glimpsed Dan Harris it's a very chill Zen looking man Really? Yes Okay,
0: that's interesting That you say that Yeah I don't think of myself that way No, it shows on your face Really?
1: Yeah, I mean you're not quite that Like annoying Tai Chi Kind of person That's like (laughs) overly balanced Sorry, I love Tai Chi i still have
0: terrible uh, posture Just for what it's worth My wife is always pointing that out to me Not in a naggy way
1: I'm glad we're both Like slagging ourselves off So that we're just like I am not (laughs) self-actualized at all (laughs) Bad posture Look at my phone too much Just (laughs) don't, don't mistake me
0: Tell me about because you made a couple of references to this. Mm. The Dark night. Your Dark night. What yeah. would happen?
1: Um, I mean, I'm probably not the first guest to say this, but I, I just, I haven't ever talked in this register, you know, surrounded by like ABC News logos. It just is, it's almost, it just feels like a category error, but I'll do the best <laughs> I can. Um, I have been sober for uh, six, six, almost seven, almost six years. That's a
0: huge accomplishment.
1: Thank you, thank you. Um, And um, which means that the summer of 2011 was was even hard to mention those words together to me. Um, And also, I feel very grateful that it's in the past. Um, So I wasn't, uh, I didn't have a special prosecutor appointed against me. I didn't have a lot of bad things that could happen to a person, but it was bad enough for me. And the two things were that I was sort of being moved around at the New York Times, and that seemed horrible to me. I loved my, I was writing a column, the late William Sapphire had written the column next to mine, and he died at his desk, you know, basically writing on language, the great old columnist, and I just wanted to die at my desk. I just wanted to file and die at my desk. There's just something about newspaper life that I loved. It just fit me, and on top of that, I was very devoted to the idea of being in a union, um, I know that the would be media elite are supposed to have nothing to do with, you know, disgruntled former union workers, but I, you know, felt very like, I just, of course, I don't like patriarchy, but I love paternalism. <laughs> I just love it being like New York Times, the New York Times company. You know, when I got there, the stock was going up. I joined the union. There was some thugs that were going to back me up if anything bad happened to me. I took a drug test to be sure that I was, like, okay if I ever had to drive a truck to deliver the paper. And I just loved it. I took great a great deal of comfort in that. And I knew that if I was moved around, I was going to be somehow thrown out into the freelancer's world, which just seemed ter- terrifying to me. So this now seems fairly small, but I don't know why, but it was existentially terrible to think about leaving the times. It doesn't
0: – I just – Really? Want, no, it does not seem small. People – Place an enormous amount of meaning in their work. I do. Yeah. If I was getting moved around here at ABC, I would take that very personally.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that was it. And and um and you know and I was so also, what was the
0: name of the column again?
1: Oh, it was called uh it was called the Medium. The Medium. Yep. Yes. And, yes. Um, yes. And yeah, it was about internet culture. And and I just loved doing it. It was a very like peaceful time at the magazine. Of course, journalism was contracting, um and. But it just felt it just felt this very peaceful, and it was very right with my rhythms to you know be able to to file this way. Um, but as I had worked on that column for four years, um, I, two things had happened. One is, well, I'd had a ch- had a ch- two children, and then also I had um, developed a coping mechanism for my dissolving marriage, which was Xanax. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, I know that you have sampled the demon cocaine before, but I was past my fun party days and pretty deep into the like mother's little helper time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard to talk about it because, you know, my kids were little. I mean, I, for what it's worth, didn't take any pills during the pregnancy, but, you know, as soon as I could, I did. Um, so Not that. Not uncommon. Not uncommon, right. But even, you know, it's like your bottom's your bottom. It was big enough for me, (laughs) you know. I'm not minimizing it at all. I'm
0: just um, broadening.
1: Yes. Another favorite for me was Ambien, so the sleeping pill. and
0: Related benzodiazepine. yeah.
1: Yes. Um, And that was, you know, I started taking it earlier and earlier in the day because I liked the sort of odd effects of it. Um, Right
0: before you're supposed to fall asleep, it feels a little funny.
1: They right and yeah, it's kind of trippy and um, interesting. And um, you know, a couple times I turned my column into the New York Times, and it had like a garbled, weird stuff at the bottom that I had written while taking Ambien. Um, I wrote a bunch about television. Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning and be like, "Did I watch those five episodes of Real Housewives or not?" Oh, I don't know. I'll watch them again. So that was kind of a normal morning for me. Um, and So it was just spinning out of control. It was bad. It was yeah. really bad. Um, it was very, like, yes. And, it, you know, there were times when... So and then there was, a, there was a bottle of white wine, usually a screw-top bottle of white wine in the evenings. Anyway, it became clear that my... Um, then husband had fallen in love with a friend of mine um so there's the telenovela element okay dan's eyes just opened very wide like he's just like i'm not judging but that sucks <laughs>
0: Is that fair? i'm not i'm 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 feeling badly It just sounds terrible that's what my eyes went up like that that sucks
1: it was ba- definitely bad enough for me and i'm not very good at um looking at someone's email, you know, the stuff that you do to find out if someone's yeah, cheating sure, on you. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I didn't know what they were doing at the times so when they were moving me around, and I didn't know what was going on with my ex-husband, and I just, it was, felt like I was in a fog, and my cho- my idea was double the doses, because that's all I had. Right, so, not
0: not illogical, I mean, not not wise, <laughs> but I like, get it. I I know what to do about this. And then
1: Adderall to wake up and, you know, it's a... Slippery slope. Elvis Presley uppers and downers Mm -hmm. slope. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, um, you know, amazingly, I had a sober friend. She's got a lot of sobriety and I called her one night. It's a little blurry, but I called her one night in early, very late June of 2011 and said, um, I don't have anything. I, don't, I think I don't have a marriage, and I think I don't have a job. And with it, making things more complicated, I converted to Judaism to marry, and we were, like, quite observant. And I felt like my religion was also gone. You know, I was going to lose that, too. And I had very little kids. I mean, I was, you know. Anyway, so I don't have anything. I don't know why that was what came up. And she said, um, say this thing, and it's as... I don't, I can't imagine that anything as corny has ever been said on this show, but it seemed powerful to me. I'm God's child. God loves me. I'm God's child. God loves me. I think I said it a thousand times that night. I don't even know what the words meant by the end. I had no idea, but I got to sleep that night without Ambien for the first time in maybe 10 years.
0: So you were doing a mantra.
1: I was doing a mantra. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can you just define for a listener who may not know what a mantra is what it is?
1: Um, just a word that focuses the mind. Um, sometimes, I mean, if you sometimes you can have them bequeathed to you by great gurus, and sometimes people settle on it. But they'll focus on instead of a visual object of focus or the breath, they'll focus on. People will focus on a word.
0: It, it could be said silently, you know, in your um, in your own mind, or some sometimes chanted. Chanted,
1: or, yeah. yeah, and yeah, sort of, you know, that I'm. I am God's child. God loves me. It was so silly, but also just the idea of being a child again was powerful. And I would have done anything to get myself to sleep. So that was it too. And um, it turns out it was better than my best thinking, which was, you know, extended release, Ambien plus another. (laughs) So and I so at that moment, I think I forfeited my right to decide that something was beneath me, you know, because I had made some interesting choices that were not putting me in a great place. So I joined a fellowship that um anonymous fellowship and um a- AA? Uh I mean we try not to you know use the name of it. I certainly don't represent it right. and I wouldn't if because I could easily mess up and then we'd be <laughs> and then we'd be uh and you know I I, I wouldn't want to blame the fellowship. But it's a, it is a wonderful anonymous fellowship and um and it gets a lot of people better and I was one of them.
0: Wow. I mean, I think, I, I really, bravo to you. I mean, seriously, this is a hard thing you went through. And it's just, I know a lot of people who've gone through similar things. And it is hard, really hard.
1: It's hard. It. it I mean, but meditating two, two hours a day is also hard until it becomes easy, until it becomes the only thing. I mean, I would never go back to the hard life I had before this. Yeah. I mean, these the the meditation practice, which in the twelve steps is associated with the eleventh step, um, which is a higher power. It's um, it's sought to improve your conscious contact with God as you understood God. Gotcha. Um, and um, yeah, with that with with the with that and the meditation that's grown out of that, I can have a life. You know, it's not it's it, like. God bless hard exercisers, but when they talk about like the my sanity is predicated on my running a half marathon every day, I am just like, wow, that looks hard. You know, I'm a person that wanted the easy route. <laughs> I'm a person that couldn't stand a micron of pain and thought I needed to take, you know, benzos to make a phone call. So I'm not exactly someone who's going to do anything very hard.
0: Well, I think meditation actually is very hard because it does involve turning into the stuff we normally run away from.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that I mean, you, I, you, I know from your book, like that it, shift of focus. It's just so counterintuitive. You yeah. can't believe you're supposed to look at the things that you've correct. been not looking at all this time. You
0: know, I think there are asterisks. Is that the correct way to to, to uh, pluralize asterisks? It seems asterisks? right. As, asterisks. asterisks. I don't know why. Uh, okay, whatever it is. Um, that if you've got real trauma. I think you got to titrate how much you look at the pain, um, yeah, yeah, and, that's, or to do it with medical oversight.
1: That's a great. I mean, you know, I, Tara Brock, the the meditation teacher, you know, often cautions people against you know taking too deep a dive. You know, sometimes you'll get really confident. Just say like, "Now's my time to like, mm-hmm. you know, go deep sea fishing for some." You know this thing that happened when I was three, and and you know it can be too too painful. But you know for fear of that, I wouldn't want to stay away even from some of the harder stuff because you know you'll have something unexamined um, that's just I don't know or uh, untouched, I guess not not examined because it's not analytical, but just like oh I'm not going to touch that you know part of my psyche, and and then touching it becomes the Solution. I will say the the telenovela I just described has had a very very happy ending, which is that um, with the help of you know my fellows in this program and um, some spiritual work and meditation, um, I reconciled with um, my friend, and you know between a career beyond my wildest dreams after leaving the times, you know, probably the greatest gift to me was, you know, my husband's decision to leave. I'm sort of a like gritted out and I probably would have read, you know, 18 more books on making marriages work and done active listening and like all this like bunky stuff to try to save the marriage or be more what he wanted. Um, And uh, so, so I feel like that was this moment of great liberation in my real life as well as my Soul's life.
0: It's remarkable. So, all right. Again, I'm at this juncture that I find myself in a lot of podcasts where I have a thousand questions. Let me just hone in. I'm going to make a decision to go after. How did meditation come to you, and in what form? And what does your practice look like? Look like now.
1: Um, so, I think like maybe like other people who've had an addiction to sleeping pills. I had decided that I had completely intractable insomnia, that like, without a lot of white wine and benzos and opiates and sleeping pills in my system, I was never gonna fall asleep. I just thought I would never fall asleep. So that day that I decided to get sober, my first fear was I will never go to sleep. And I somehow thought meditation was a way to put yourself to sleep. And I mean, I know the joke of like, I just meditated for 20 minutes and then I woke up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that meditation and napping often sort of blur into each other.
0: Absolutely, I mean, there's a lot to say about this, but 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 um, I, meditation can be a, a good way to to get yourself, yourself to sleep. And if if you are, I mean, it's about, you know, the word Buddha means awake. So it is supposed to be, it is supposed to be the opposite of sleep in many ways, but if you're falling, feeling sleepy when you're meditating, it's actually usually a sign that you need some sleep or sometimes a sign that you need some sleep.
1: Interesting. Do you fall asleep sometimes Sometimes, in your yeah, and, yeah. And it
0: can mean, um, that I've just haven't had enough sleep. It can mean that I'm, I don't want, I don't want to look at something. It can be a, a way to, um, to, to, to fuzz out and not face something else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fuzz out. I like that. Um, I So I tried. I called someone I did not know very well at all and said, I know you know how to meditate. Can you come teach me? And he was like, I'm driving in Poughkeepsie. And I also barely know you. Um, I really thought only one person in the world knew how to meditate. And it was like a friend of a friend, this guy. Um, So... He said, like, why don't you download this book or find this little, and it was like a PDF. And I mean, literally, I I read it like it was Ikea instructions. Like, I will not get this done. If I skip any steps, I'm going to mess this up. So I I went through this, and it was a very kind of sketchy, I don't know, new agey thing that I can't really remember exactly what it said. And then something led me, I think possibly someone in a meeting said, you might listen to these podcasts by Shinzen Young, oh, who yes, you've had on the yes. show. Yes, he's amazing. And I think I got back in touch with you once I heard him on the show. But you know, I don't know if I don't know if you recommend some of these teachers to your listeners. But I, Zhen Young, kind of closes the book for me on some of these questions. There's something in the way he talks. It's a hybrid of how he talks, his vocabulary, his own precision. You know, in how he talks that just works for me. And certain of his dharma talks or or meditation talks and guided meditations have just been so powerful at uh, helping me through this. And, you know, there's a tiny bit of stigma attached to, you know, I, I every now and then you get asked, where do you sit? Do you ever get asked if you sit at Tibet House? No. Okay. Well, this is one of those things where I try not to even say that I meditate because... They'll say like yeah someone will say where, where do you sit which is the scariest thing in the world I mean, it's like the thing that happened with yoga when it just became right, harder and harder right, and harder right. that you were like priced out we're
0: on this path so <laughs> no. we're on the trajectory Yes. it's gonna get weird
1: it's getting things are getting yes. <laughs> you heard it here first. yes. So, in any case, I, but one of the sort of training wheels things that I did that, uh, training wheels I never took off were listening to guided meditations, and, D- But, can I just yeah. stop
0: you on that? Because I don't think that's training wheels. No, I think okay. there's nothing wrong with, with guided meditations. It's not like a thing you do in order to get on your own. I, I actually think guided meditations are amazing, and I had that attitude for a while and switched it, and now I do guided meditations. Do you? Yeah, not infrequently. Not okay. every day, but not infrequently, and I think they're amazing. And every time I sit with well, – I was doing a, a, a speech to a bunch of corporate folks the other day, and I brought a meditation teacher with me, yeah. and um, he was just doing basic meditation instructions. And I found even that 10-minute thing where I was hearing the basic meditation instructions again yeah. live with this great teacher was phenomenal. It always yeah. reconnects me to the – so drop that, too.
1: Okay, I'm glad. All right, good. I'm Look how liberated I am. How do you feel?
0: I can see it in your face.
1: <laughs> but so there's a, he has a meditation called Overcoming Difficult Emotions. And mm-hmm. in the midst of this, you know, what would become a divorce and the job loss and religion confusion, I was like, I think I'm experiencing difficult emotions. So I qualify for Overcoming Difficult Emotions, which I will now get on Spotify for free, which I like to do. Um, and um, and so I started to do it and it was actually a, a trauma meditation. And he encourages you or allows you to do it lying down. And, and a really interesting thing about uh, Shinzen Young is that he, though he did, though he was in a, um, not an ashram but uh, monastery. He, I think it was a um, it was Zen and it yes. was in Japan. Yeah. So yes, it was, essentially he, a monastery. He did hardcore right.
0: hardcore meditation. In I mean, Japan. there was a
1: lot of like Tim Ferriss, him sitting in ice cold water yes. and like yes. yeah, lots of yeah. self denial and, and mortification of the flesh. Um, And in spite of that, he often is – he's sort of the least um, dictatorial about posture, about how you sit. You know, He often says – he's meditating all the time, like when he's doing dishes, when he's walking around. Um, And then also he lets you lie down. So I was like, all right, this is for me. So I lay down, and I'll never be able to do it as he does it. But what he essentially asked me at that moment to do was – take away all the language associated with the particular kinds of pain so that i could see it neutrally and what the, the what the the exercise is is you locate in your body where you're feeling some kind of pain so it's first it feels like it's all over you know you guys don't understand i have to call a lawyer the house is you know what am i going to do with the mortgage what am i going to do with the house but i have the kids now i'm a single mom what am i going to do will i ever meet another guy and then it's, you're slowly like, no, 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 okay. He keeps asking you, like, cool that down, cool that down, until ideally you finally get to, right around my ribs, there's this achy feeling, right? So it's like all this language, all your plans, just turn into this ache in your, in your rib. And then he asks you to watch that ache in your rib and only label it local, small, localized, contained, local or global on your whole body. Local, global, global local. You just are watching it, watching it move around your body. And you do it for so long, so long that you're like in this internal space of your body. And what that ache in your ribs, or ache all through your body, or a pinch in your leg, or sometimes surge of pleasure through throughout your body, these kind of strange, you know, when you get this more precise vocabulary that Shenzhen Yang is so good at. And then suddenly, you don't remember what those had to do with this crazy story you've been telling yourself about the lawyers you have to call. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and the fact that you have a to-do list seems like such a neutral fact because it no longer is setting your skin on fire. You just, you know, the, the to-do list seems so simple. It was like I could just walk through it. You know, how am I going to pay my mortgage turned into, you know, set up an auto pay. I think it took me five minutes, you know. <laughs> um, and the action, so the action that came out of that detachment and practicing that detachment over and over again, um, you know, satisfying, you know, you talk about not losing your edge. I didn't want to not pay my mortgage, you know. but for, But for fear that if I dropped my vigilance for one second and if I didn't constantly reel through all the possibilities of something that I, you know, that I'd lose my house and that my kids would starve for fear of that happening, I wouldn't relax, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd gotten so I couldn't go to sleep. Like, I'm a human organism. I have one chance on earth. Why did I possibly convince myself that I couldn't, that I was, didn't deserve eight hours of rest at night like I- every mammal?
0: whole wheat, pita pockets, and more. I'm constantly uh, consuming these 365 products, including the the raw cashews, which I snack on all the time. We love the 365 sea salt and pepper. Uh, We love their sushi rice. You get the picture. Go check it out. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. How are you sleeping now?
1: I mean, you know, I don't want this to be a total meditation fairy tale, but I also don't want to underestim- underestimate it. I sleep wonderfully. I don't think I ever had insomnia as the truth. I had an addiction to pills that convinced me that, you know, I couldn't bear a micron of pain or, you know, lying there for five minutes waiting to go to sleep.
0: I know somebody else who was uh, a close friend who struggled with just the, the, the sort of cascade of pill use that you described of amb- uh, ambient at night. Clonopin in the afternoon, actually, yeah, and then yeah. starting the day with um, with Adderall. Sure, twenty years she did it.
1: Wow, she got in there probably with yeah, Ritalin. She, at she the, was at the beginning. She was
0: ahead of the curve.
1: It's a it's for mother. It's the speed freak of middle class mothers because you get you start to understand the ADD drugs and yeah. then you start getting them for yourself. Yeah,
0: she did it before she was a mom, and then and, and she got over. Uh, no. Right. No. So yeah, it's 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 a it's tough, nasty, nasty.
1: It's not a joke, and it also, you know, I don't blame anyone but myself. I love to drink from an early age. You know, did other hard drugs, but um, I, you know, you are prescribed this stuff, and you know, for some people, like they can't take Benadryl for allergies. Like you really have to decide what it is no for pills. yourself. Right. No pills. You can't cook with wine. You right. can't. You know.
0: You, but I, I, I kind of interrupted you when you were saying something interesting but pretty much everything you say is interesting but the the you said something about going to church yeah and that reminded me that you had talked before about being a um, an observant Jew which you did talk about in the final chapter of your excellent book Magic and Loss which I feel like we've given short shrift thus far in this podcast you in that final chapter talk a lot about your Experiences with with spirituality and Abrahamic faiths, uh, and um, so not like New Age spirituality. You, yeah. got, you got a little of that too, um, and then also some controversies that that were generated as a consequence yes. of this. So hold forth, the mic is yours.
1: <laughs> wow, that um, I just want to remind anyone who's not here, meaning not Dan, me, or the producer, that we are surrounded by these totems of like. Awesome, masculinist accomplishment at ABC. Like I'm just like, there's Peter Jennings. There's all these people that like have their left branch and stuff together, life together, and we're about to talk about how I'm a church mouse. So let's well, just, but but, but revi- let's just mean, visit this. No, you, it's great. Would
0: Dan. you say looking around? Because I can't see. Yes, yes. She's right behind me. There are like crazy posters of, of ABC News. He's radio like on a
1: step and repeat for yeah. the. For yes, for <laughs> yeah. He's it's like on a red carpet.
0: It's a little crazy. Um, but, having said that. I I am, I've worked here for 17 years. I'm like kind of, you know, uh, pretty uh, loyal ABC News employee, um, anchorman, whatever. But I wrote a book about, you know, having a panic attack. So no judgment here.
1: No, exactly. And that's, I I think, been a great thing that you've done for people, including me, like let you live sort of, that it's possible to not be in a monastery and still live a mindful life. I mean, it's just a, that's a simple truth that came as a breakthrough to me. So Yeah, the book is, the subtitle of the book is The Internet as Art, Magic and Loss, The Internet as Art. And so, you know, I had this experience early on with network computing that, just to put it briefly, I was using one of those old-style terminals with green letters in the front and a dark background, and the two most enchanting things in my life, I think just because of constant exposure to this particular screen, were was the language, the symbolic order in the front that was connected because it was networked to social life, romantic life, you know, coming of age. And then this fathomless dark yonder behind it that could be the night sky or it could be, you know, the depths of the mind or it could be, you know, there's a literary critic that says when that effect is generated by the Bible, it's you start to think you see the face of God. And so let's let's say it was something like that, the feeling of awe that some people get looking at the night sky or faced with a cancer diagnosis. So I wondered always sort of what that dark space was. And it it sounds strange, but I feel like I developed a kind of techno-spirituality, and that sounds very weird, I guess, until you think that, you know, Marshall McLuhan was a very strange Catholic mystic. Um, My absolute hero, Kevin Kelly, who started Wired magazine, is a serious Catholic, Steve Jobs, as we know, had, you know, very odd religious beliefs um, and practices. And, you know, the progressive Jews who started Google, you know, have a plan to hack death. So and, and, you know, they think of it as like a few lines of code that they can get around with supplements and stuff. So none of us is like really just on a sane track here. Like uh, and, and and you know, thinking about technology and, uh, you know, thinking about technology and spirituality or technology and the afterlife, as it were, or or even just how to quiet the mind in relation to it, for some reason it seemed like a natural connection to me. Um, At the same time, I had a, you know, a regular religious life. So, you know, people say a lot, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. To some extent, I, you know, the best parts of my life have been when I'm religious and not spiritual. So now at this point in my life, there are things I do religiously. Hmm. Um, whether or not I feel it, you know? So like, of course, who doesn't want those like beautiful mountaintop times when, you know, the picture of perf- a perfect meditation where you're just like, you know, there's some kind of white light or just some slip psychic switch that makes you feel feeling of well-being or of, or of insight. Um, but um, whether or not you have that every day and I have it almost never. <laughs> I still sit down. And so that's the religious part. You know, you just keep going. And my parents are regular churchgoers. There's a way I used to watch my father just like take communion, just like, I don't know, there's just something very, um, just solemn and a little bit rote about it, you know? And when I was um, regularly davening and going to shul, I really liked the. The ritual of uh, the, it. R- the ritual and the just like of course I'm going to do this you but, know
0: but do you how 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 firm is your embrace of the dogma so for example yeah. uh, th- this is my own little litmus test of what I from years of covering uh, Christianity for yeah. me like you were what I would consider pretty active Christian if you actually literally believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God uh, was killed and rose from the dead. Um, I
1: so want to be like, you have doubts about that? <laughs> like, you heathen. Um, but, um, yeah. No, but I mean, do you believe that? <laughs> you're just like, please don't be insane and believe that. Um, I, no, I'm not saying that that's I, insane. I'm I, just saying uh, I
0: have a lot of Christian friends. I've spent a lot of time in the Christian yeah. evangelical world. Yeah. And there are a lot of people I know who really believe that. And I've, I've, that, I've got no nothing to say about that. Yeah. But I don't. But that I'm an agnostic. I'm, I'm not saying it's not true.
1: Yeah. I don't. Um, I don't believe in the little literal truth of those things. I also think that I. Um, this may sound like a dodge again, but I think that I have.
0: I haven't let you get away with one dodge. <laughs> okay, minute, so you can. You can try.
1: I have some skepticism about sort of the speech act of "I believe" or belief or statements of faith generally. So, to back to the Shenzhen Young thing. Before I found a way a little bit to detach from the language that's like constantly, you know, in my head or on Twitter or, you know, in the Bible or on my phone or in my text th- text messages or that, you know, when we say the prayers either in synagogue or now church. Um, before that, I definitely would invest in certain parts of the language. So like, re- like make that investment that's just I believe this. And when people say things that are at odds with it, it's my job to police the boundaries of this particular belief. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, You know, I almost don't want to mention the topics that people do this on because they're so hard, you know, they're so calcified. But, you know, like on the climate or on uh, Trump, you know, like you could take a People can take steps in some directions and be considered a Trump apologist. And all of a sudden, you know, if you modulated your voice in the wrong way, then this other thing. So we're policing what everyone says. And certainly evangelicals and people who've made that particular investment of faith in literal truth are, you know, will get very brittle around those subjects. And it's just not good for me to take experiences I've had that have made me feel better and decide that that means something true about something that happened in the world thousands of years ago, um, or that defy science, or that are probably at odds with everything else that we believe in, the social fictions that keep us alive. Have you read Sapiens?
0: No, I, I want to have him on the show because he's a big meditator.
1: Oh, is he? Oh, I'm not surprised. But one of the really fascinating things, and I can't wait for Harari himself to explain it, but is um, in that book is that, you know, just the reminder that we're apes. Language was pretty late-breaking in our evolution as when we became sapiens and got our sapientia, that was a double-edged sword, our would-be wisdom. And that with that language came all these fictions and just literal myths meant to shore us up like that a limited liability corporation exists, or that such a thing as human rights exist, or that that all those things are stories that the foragers and hunters didn't tell themselves, you know, that bond, you know, create empires that can move mountains, that make people do things they might not otherwise have done. They get them invested in armies. But all these things, uh, these creeds, it's one thing to believe them to feel better. It's one thing to believe them to mobilize people and motivate people to do things or motivate yourself to do things. You know, like believing a good mother shows up to her daughter's, my daughter has a ceremony coming up to her daughter's humash ceremony. Actually, she's in Jewish school, Um, you know, and it's another and then that helps me go to it. But it's but it's another thing to believe that there is a literal fact that you have this privileged access to the world where you know what's good and what isn't what happened you know that there was one time in the world an immaculate conception and the product of that conception was the son of god and that you have some idea of what god is it just seems like um a crazy exercise that us apes should probably stay away
0: from so what is what are you what is going to church do for you
1: so uh, right so that is another part of the ritual one of the things i part of the my love of rituals. so one of the things i love about the episcopal church are the changes of posture and they have this in synagogues too, but just being on your knees as an act of, you know, humility, um, being, um, standing and singing, you know, with other voices, yeah. um, uh, g- you know, going up to take the communion, um, standing in line with people, making space for people in the pews, putting a, l- a dollar in the basket, um, dressing up a little bit, you know, it's a, like the Episcopal church is very lovely. The hymns are, beautiful they're also regressive for me because I love them from my childhood I missed the hymns in particular so much when I was away from them and then finally just giving me an opportunity to and just in a very way that to me is familiar I mean my ex-husband was so had gone to Yeshiva was so wonderfully familiar with the uh the liturgy of the conservative Jewish tradition and and I could see him just like the melodies he just loved them you know and I just love the melodies of the Episcopal Church. So it gives me an opportunity also to, you know, give thanks, um, express some awe, and um, and 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 atone a little bit. You know, you say just this ritual, like we regret that we have sinned against you, and you know, thought, word, and deed. Um, and it's just a weekly inventory of of uh, one's dishonesty and you know and sins and excessive zeal you know with um you know as we've talked about I host this show Trumpcast and you know sometimes I I think like have I been too sanguine have I been too terrified have I been you know and it's not self-flagellation um but just taking stock taking stock you know um and uh you know you just walk out of there like I don't know. I guess like some people feel about exercise I'm told with like endorphins <laughs> and whatever. Um I like social life. I like seeing seeing the church ladies. I like gossip. I like the coffee afterward. Um I'm kind of sold. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> See you no, Sunday it's a, it's Grace a robust Church
0: event uh the de- defense. Um but, uh but you got yourself in you and again you talk about this in magic and loss. You you got yourself in uh, some controversy yes. uh, with something you wrote that had to do with religion. And I'll let you tell the story.
1: Yeah, this, this um, you know, was a horrible experience and also, you know, ultimately a, a wonderful one and a teaching ex- for me experience. Um, I was, after the times I went to Yahoo News and um, Yahoo News at the time, I mean, some of this may sound, I promise it's relevant, It had um, something like 70 million people hit the homepage every day. Um, It just, in the old days when Yahoo was a lot of people's default homepage. So when, it was such a change from the Times. You know, I would write something for the Times and my mother would see it and everyone I know would see it. And it was great. And it would get 26 comments. And then I'd write something for Yahoo and it would be up. And I would, I feel like I would shuffle something on my desk and there'd be 26,000 comments. I just was like, it just was this whole new world and the commenters were very different it was unmoderated it wasn't like the times and i just was like how can i talk to them you know what like what do they care about because i was writing the same kind of filter bubble stories that i'd always written i they hired me just to do you know the same thing i'd ever always done and i was I think, covering mitt romney's campaign and um Writing about digital and I just was kept feeling like I was hitting it wrong with them like it wasn't their idiom They were pushing back on small things So I wondered what were they thinking about and what did I have in common with their voice? And i would just read the comment and one of the things I felt I had in common with them is a sort of wariness with atheism and and Scientism to some extent. Um, I mean I that can manifest itself in like truly destructive beliefs like climate denial um, but I think a little skepticism about sort of the changing recommendations in science, and especially pop science, the way that it filtered down to I thought some of the readers who, at the time, I think were reeling, still reeling from being told that they should be eating fat and that they hadn't, they'd eaten too many carbs in their lives and that's why they were diabetic. And I felt like they were just like, but we just do everything we read, and we, we thought we were doing the right thing with carbs, and now we have to switch, and now we're considered idiots, and, you know, for, anyway, this old diet. So I was thinking about how I felt sort of jerked around by science myself, and one the other thing that I was appalled at is that evolutionary psychology was sort of being shaken up, especially at Harvard, and they had also decided, like, just complete reversals on things like, it used to be that men were polygamous and women were, you know, monogamous, and now it turns out to be the exact opposite. So anyone who's predicated your whole relationship on this other view, anyway, frustrated with science, okay, had fairly recently discovered a set of religious practices and had an idea for, sadly, a funny column on... My unease with science and my l- embrace of r- like religious life. But before trolling, or before I understood what trolling was, and you probably remember from the beginning, there was sort of, it, you were sort of goaded as a journalist, and I know you were always more neutral, but as a columnist, you're sort of goaded into writing things that were like hot, like because mm-hmm. I worked for Tina, Tina Brown, provocative, you know, striking. But now that's trolling. But in any case, and it was trolling then. So I decided to write it and call it Why I Am a Creationist. I honestly thought creationism was just a funny word from Inherit the Wind days. And I don't know what I was thinking, except I did look it up in Wikipedia. And it just was like that the hand of God was present at creation and at, uh, or at, sorry, at the beginning of the universe and at and uh, and at the birth of consciousness. So I, I thought, well, I can sort of get behind that and... I never really understood the Big Big Bang, and I've read Darwin, but some of it seems really fishy-fishy. And I honestly, I seriously thought that I was, like, writing it for a blog. Um, I think some of the stuff in there went too far. I also was – I had heard arguments on both sides about fracking very recently, and, and I had decided that I also felt that people on both sides had more to prove than something about stones and energy and that things were ideology, ideological that didn't seem ideological and that like scientific facts were being leveraged to prove ideological points. But there were some good intentions, there were some just this is kind of this jokey thing. So anyway, we put it up. Now it does always seem organic when something like that goes viral and you get trolled for it, but actually what happened is Reddit, you know, the, the massive site for the exchange of ideas, that I never look at, and often when you're like, where did this meme come from? Everyone's just like, 4 a.m. on Reddit. Everything <laughs> starts there. In any case, Reddit um, made it their top story of the day or second, second highest story of the day. And when that happens and you're the person that wrote that thing, I think whether or not Reddit gives it a thumbs up, and they very much did not give why I am a creationist a thumbs up, it's a weird day. It's just a weird day. So I... I looked at Twitter on your notifications on Twitter, it tells you a number and it was just like thousands. Like just people were like using my name everywhere. And they were, you know, they were people just that, you know, called me a clueless asterisk. Um, They were people that, you know, talked about raping me. They were like that kind of crowd. And then they were also science writers, like legitimate people. One was a colleague of mine at the times that just decided like that I should be schooled on, Natural Selection and on Twitter you know in these tweet storms and it just it was pretty much hell but it was in the summer I was on in Isla Morada and with my cousins who live in Florida
0: what year was this?
1: Um, 2012 13 so you're a year sober fairly newly sober I think that's right about a year sober yeah I was there and with my cousins and I couldn't There was no way with, like, pools and kids and whatever that I could, you know, it's like there was no way I could be at a computer or look at my phone. And um, so I was like, I'm aching to get back to my room, but why? So that I can just, like, feel the pain of page 88 sucks, page 80 is an idiot, there's no bigger idiot than page 88, she has brain damage, she's whatever, over and over again. Then somebody else retweeting it with huzzah, then somebody else retweeting that with like, yeah, I've never seen a bigger idiot. So I was like, why do I want to get back to my room? And then I looked around and was like, oh, a bad day on Twitter is not a bad day. Like there's this other world where things are going on using my name, page 88, she can deal. She's been up there for a long time. She can handle this and take sniper fire for me. And I will be down here, you know, in this pool eating, you know, a weird lobster roll with my daughter, you know, um, and my son and and my cousins. And, you know, nobody mentioned it. And I went back and was like, oh, this video game is still going on. You know, I'm losing at asteroids. That's what we can say, we can say for the day is that. This is a substantial loss at asteroids. I did not land on the leaderboard,
0: but you came back from it. I mean, it's like it—you're you're still here.
1: The lesson in it for me really was that was that that's not my real life, and that my time here on Earth will be spent living in that world because I, you know, I have things to do. I'm interested. I'm engaged in the world, but my sort of larger purpose is to find out to know the world that was me at the pool with my daughter and son.
0: Weird lobster roll.
1: Weird lobster roll. Oh my god, that thing. I felt like it was canned lobster. Yeah, Does that's that exist? Gross. <laughs> yes.
0: But but I but I, more I delicious. it anchors me in the reality of that moment. <laughs> that that uh that detail for sure.
1: It was a um pool that is very, very shallow, like like a quarter inch and then slowly goes up, like an uh-huh. ocean thing. Kids so kids can do it. Uh-huh. And I was standing with the lobster roll and also like my first beach time. So I just felt like this pale, very not submerged in water person. (laughs) But I was like, this is kind of fun. And there were like Floridians around. There was Jimmy Buffett playing. I mean, it was not your... It was not the like you know moment that you see in Mindful magazine where someone's on the cushion, <laughs> but it worked for me.
0: Uh, where final question: Where can people learn more about you? Because I suspect they're going to be really interested.
1: Oh, so Magic and Loss is out in paperback. Um, it's Magic and Loss: The Internet as Art. Um, it tells it's a it's about technology, but it has this some of the story that I've told here at, in the last chapter, and then vpheffernan.com is my is my website for all things magic and loss and
0: and as we know your handle on twitter <laughs> oh my
1: god how many times have i said that please don't troll me
0: <laughs> or but at the very least follow
1: follow that would be lovely
0: but a mind really interesting to listen to you talk this thank been you for-
1: really great thanks for having me
0: If you like 10% Happier, and I hope you do, uh, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.
2: If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and Swim. terms apply visit go.amex you know business hey grown-ups the cat in the hat cast is a new podcast from wondery perfect for the whole family join the cat in the hat and your favorite dr seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast that is until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet.